You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. I got a note from a couple of different people about some issues with the stream. And it is something that we're aware of on some of the platforms. Uh, they are not pulling from our stream. It is a a problem that, again, we are aware of and are, are working on. So if you can't get it on TuneIn or there's an issue with your Apple um, you can always go to, uh, whether it's a different platform or you can click right on the the link that I tweet out every single day for these shows. Just want to make sure everyone is getting the content that they are looking for. And I apologize for any inconvenience. If it doesn't work on your on one podcast app, just try another one and it'll be there. And, and the, the issue, whatever it is, will be fixed as soon as possible. We are not currently experiencing any issues. That is the good news. So if you are... Let me know, and we'll try and get them fixed. I do apologize if you had problems. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic, one of my favorite guests, longtime friend of the show, is going to be on the show today to talk about the Bears because while today is normally a scouting report day, I don't think anyone needs a scouting report on the Chicago Bears. We know what this team is. We we took care of a scouting report. Okay, it was, you know, four months ago now. But I'm sure most of you are in markets where you've seen the Bears, you're familiar with this team, you're familiar with the coaches, you're familiar with what's going on. It is worth noting that they are dealing with some injuries, Roquan Smith on IR, and a number of players were were DMPs on Wednesday. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't want to get too big into it right now because we don't know what it's going to look like over the next few days. Just because someone was... You know, a, a, a did not practice on a Wednesday certainly does not mean that they're not going to play in the game. Kevin King practiced last Friday and then ended up not playing in the game. But but a couple important names to just watch as we move forward here because, you know, Taylor Gabriel not being able to play, he's going through concussion protocol would be a big deal. Bobby Massey didn't practice. Roy Robertson-Harris didn't practice. Danny Trevathan is still hurt. And Javon Wims did also not practice. So those are those are pretty big names. Just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. At the top of the show, though, I want to talk about someone who is not getting nearly enough press locally or nationally. And I will take some responsibility for that. Obviously, I have multiple platforms and I could be shouting it louder just how good Zadarius Smith has been for the Green Bay Packers this season. The money, there were a lot of questions about the money and what they paid, and those questions have been answered and then some, okay? Because Pro Football Focus tweeted out this this number. Smith's 
current pressure rate. So he leads the league among edge rushers in pressure rate. Leads the league. Also among league leaders in total pressures. Leads all three, four linebackers in total pressures. So the gross production is there. Okay, but he's on the field a ton. Well, as a rate stat, 18.2% of his pass rush reps end in pressures. That number, if it seems high, should seem high, his current pressure rate would be the fourth highest for a single season since 2015. That's among 126 edges with at least 400 plus pass rush snaps in that time. Fourth out of 126 since 2015. What Zedaria Smith is doing is not just good compared to Nick Perry or Clay Matthews. It's not just good compared to the players that Green Bay has had at that position in years past. It's not even just good relative to being a free agent and the money that he was paid. It is just plain good and not just good, recent history good. That is how good Zadarius Smith has been. And one thing that really sparked my interest on Sunday we saw, and this started in the Giants game, but but carried over in a, in a particularly interesting way. Zadarius Smith as a rover. Green Bay coming out with multiple edge guys, lining them up. You know, you Preston Smith on one edge, Rashawn Gary on another, and then just moving Zadarius Smith around, having him standing up over the A-gap. You never know where he's going to come. Maybe he's running a game. Maybe he's going to stunt. Maybe he's going to twist. Maybe he's going to loop. Maybe he is going to come from a direction that you were not expecting pre-snap. His value there, we knew as a as a off-season acquisition, or at least we thought that his best pass rush position was on the inside. And yet, here he has been as an edge rusher, the most productive player at the position in the sport this season. And then now you see the versatility to be able to to slide inside and stand up, to be able to just move around and be used as a rover. You confuse quarterbacks, you confuse blocking schemes, and it makes their four-man pass rush even more potent. This is something that we saw on Sunday and, and I really was fascinated by when I went back and watched the tape. Yes, it is the case that Mike Patton used some interesting pressures on Sunday, and and it seemed like he was a little bit more aggressive with those pressures. But he was a little bit more aggressive in a very particular way. He was a little bit more aggressive with those pressures on early downs. And the reason you can do that is because on third and long, if you get into third and eight plus, Green Bay doesn't have to blitz. They don't have to bring pressure to get home. That is such an advantage. And if you can get early down stops, part of the problem with the Packers run game, for example, with their run defense, I've talked about it all season. I really don't care that much about their run defense, right? But when you can get consistently into third and shorts, that mitigates the impact that your four-man pass rush can have, and therefore you are forced to blitz more often. If Green Bay is blitzing Adrian Amos free, that means now it's second and 12. Or it's on second and eight, now it's third and 14. Those blitzes can also turn into run blitzes. Now, not all pressure packages aimed at stopping pass plays 
are great against the run because it, it can it can ruin your gap integrity. So you do have to be a little bit careful about that. But Mike Patton found that balance on Sunday. And when you can use Zadarius Smith as a rover and you know that that's coming on third down, now you, you bring it up on first down. You bring it up on second down. Where is the pressure coming from if it's coming? And maybe it's not at all. Maybe they're not bringing anyone. Maybe it is just the four-man look, but maybe they've got that corner blitz coming. They've got that slot corner crashing in. The ability to play aggressively on early downs, knowing that on third and long, if you can get to third and long, your four-man pass rush can eat, and then you have seven behind in coverage. There is no bigger advantage outside of a great quarterback than a pass rush that can get home consistently with four. And the version of the Packers four-man rush that we've seen the last few weeks, I know the Giants' offensive line isn't great. I know Washington's offensive line isn't great. Morgan Moses is a legitimate NFL player. Nate Solder, there are guys on those lines that are big money players. They are legitimate NFL players. And Green Bay, their four-man pass rush in particular with Zadarius Smith, was just no match. They overpowered these lines. And I get these are bad teams. By the way, Chicago has a bad offensive line. And when we go back to week one of last year against Mitch Trubisky, Mike Patton said, we're going to play coverage. Well, that plan works a lot better when you can rush four with these four guys. That is going to be the plan, I would guess, on Sunday And if I had to guess, it will work. All right, let's get to my friend and yours, Kevin Fishbane. He covers the Chicago Bears for The Athletic. If you're not subscribed, go change that. It is absolutely worth the money. They keep expanding, especially if you're a soccer fan. They've expanded there. You can follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. That's B-A-I-N. Kevin Thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. Absolutely, Peter. Happy to be talking about a Bears-Packers game that's got uh, a little bit of importance for both teams. Yeah, week one, two years in a row, and those are big games. But last year's game felt very different than this year's game. This year, both teams absolutely fighting for playoff positioning and and have reasonable paths to get there. Both teams have also shown that they can beat reasonable teams, whereas last year's Packers team... They didn't hold up their end of the bargain, which is an unusual position for the Packers to be in. We'll get to the stakes of this game and and the way Chicago is playing in a little bit. I want to start with a piece that you wrote for The Athletic about HaHa Clinton Dix, a player that uh, the listeners are going to certainly be very, very familiar with. And he was pretty honest about the things that he worked on in the offseason, the things that he wanted to work on in the offseason. So take me behind the scenes a little bit and just... What was the impetus for you putting together this type of piece? Yeah, you know, and first off, I appreciate you, um, you know, taking a look at it and um, setting it up that way because, you know, haha, it was interesting to me at this point in the season because I felt I kind of stepped back and said I haven't really noticed him very much, and, and that usually is a good sign for a safety, but not a great sign. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I kind of went through, went back and rewatched some of his, some of the games. And then I, you know, got a chance to talk to him on Monday. And I thought with the Packers game coming up, it was kind of good timing to a assess the season and B, 
um, kind of look ahead to his return to Lambeau. Um, and, and, you know, he kind of on his own brought up the fact that when he came here, he said, like, I, well, I have a checklist on my checklist. I need to cross off the box that I can tackle, that I can show I'm a good tackler. And um, I brought up the Giants game, not even thinking about, I honestly, Peter, forgot about what happened last year when Washington played New York. Mm-hmm. And he took a horrible angle on Saquon Barkley's 78-yard touchdown run. Um, and in this year's Giants game, he made kind of the play of the game for the defense when he stopped Sterling Shepard on fourth down. Um, so in, he, he on his own brought that up. That, that was a, a game he was kind of almost embarrassed about from last year. And, you know, his coaches all acknowledged that he took it upon himself to say, go up to them and say, look, I want to be, um, I, I need to improve my tackling. And the, and the Bear safeties coach said that, haha, when he got here, he said, look, you're good, but you can be great. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to obviously sit here and say that he is suddenly Cam Chancellor, obviously. Um, but, but I think it's noteworthy when a guy with his pedigree being a first-round pick, a pro bowler, um, can kind of show the humility to, in his sixth season, say, you know what, I'll, this is something I want to work on um, because he's going to be a free agent again. Yeah, and, and that was something that you brought up in the piece as well, that, that HaHa looked at essentially what Tyron Matthew did, taking a one-year prove-it deal and going out and saying, look, this is who I can be. This is what I want to be. And and he took the steps necessary to be that, and and he's showing it. I mean, you can see the difference. His tackling is definitely better this year. He mentioned Eddie Jackson and the man coverage part of it, being able to play a little bit better in coverage. It really seems like he he dedicated himself to improving his game, and and did that in conjunction with the, the safeties coach. How did how did the coach and and he work together to try and get this all worked out? Yeah, you know, and you know this, Peter, that tackling is kind of a funky thing in practice mm-hmm. to work on because you don't get to tackle. So so much of it is fundamentals, and um, you know, di- you know the phrase that the defensive backs coach used was finish the on the ball. And some of the different drills they do in individual work, whether it's kind of diving into a mat or, or taking on a tackling dummy, some of those um, wrapping up drills and, and bringing something to the ground, even if it's not a player, um, are, are kind of important. And I think and he kind of mentioned, too, of course, going back to that Saquon play is, is the angles and making sure he had the right angles and, and not shying away from contact. I know that was kind of a knock on him coming into Chicago and, 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 you know, during the four game losing streak, uh, the bears went through, it's one of those things. And, and you covered this last year when green Bay went through their losing skid. When you go through that, like nobody's playing well. I mean, you can find right. mistakes for everybody. Um, and, and I'm sure I could probably find a couple from haha, but you know, still it, it just didn't seem to be, you know, I, I think, the biggest fear with him, just reading scouting reports about him and reading about you know what went wrong in Green Bay, was this guy's going to give up too many big plays in terms of how that matches up with the plays he's going to make, and and he hasn't done that this year. Um, you know, there are probably a couple touchdowns that might be on him this year that comes you know happens to every safety, but but he hasn't necessarily been a liability um, for this team. So I, you know, as, as you kind of said, he took it upon himself. The coaches worked with him on the fundamentals, and Sean decided the safeties coach. Um, and that's kind of an interesting pairing, too, because Sean Desai is a first-year safeties coach. He was a quality mm-hmm. control coach last year. So here he is working with a guy 
with the resume of HaHa Clint Dix and, and being honest with them and saying, hey, you know, these are the things you need to work on. Let's go watch the tape. Let's look at some of the mistakes you made. And HaHa said a lot of it was film study um, to try to, to really get better. And I think there's something to be said, too, Peter, about HaHa and Eddie Jackson are good friends. And that was one of the yep. reasons HaHa wanted to come here. And he sees the success Eddie Jackson's had. And Eddie Jackson himself is actually – that the knock on him from last year was that he wasn't good enough in run support. He's played in the box a lot more than he did when Adrian Amos was here because he didn't need to because Amos kind of had that covered. Um, and, and I think that there, there's something we said about playing with a guy who you're that close with and you want to kind of play up to his level. And I think that's kind of all those things have, have helped haha, kind of put together a nice season. I don't, I, I don't want to, to beat a dead horse here, but it was just interesting. Your, your intro to all of this was, to say that that haha Clinton Dix hadn't stood out to you a lot, and that that was a good thing in a lot of ways, but also kind of a bad thing because it means he wasn't making a bunch of plays. That just sounds exactly like what Adrian Amos was for the Bears. That I, I don't we don't need to get any further into it because we've we've done this comparison ad nauseum. But I just that that struck me a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting you bring it up that way, and, and you know this because I've jokingly tweeted about this. The Amos versus Clinton Dix rivalry is like my favorite uh-huh. thing about Bears Packers Twitter. <laughs> it, it amazes me to no end. Um, and and I remember talking to you know some folks in that Hallett Hall, and they were like thrilled for Adrian Amos. It was a genuine happiness mm-hmm. for him that he got a deal that they were never going to give him. They they just it wasn't going to happen, and it wasn't anything against. That, but but you're right. I think that that you know the Packers needed reliability back there and someone they could count on and depend on who could make a few plays throughout the season, but also just wouldn't give up the big plays. And the Bears were giving that up and getting somebody who's you know perceived as the opposite. But we haven't seen that this year. And, and the Bears are one of the league leaders in terms of not giving up big plays, um, which has been a staple of Chuck Pagano's defense. They they've been bend but don't break which Vic Fangio they didn't give up big plays either but they were also were taking the ball away at a much higher rate um this group just hasn't mm-hmm. done that um for a variety of reasons you know certainly luck factors in there um but yeah it, it is kind of interesting I think it, it's one of those rare trade-offs where I think you can say the Packers and you know as better than I do the Packers are probably pleased with their investment so far with Adrian Amos 13 games in, I think the Bears are extremely pleased with what they've gotten out of HaHa Clinton Dix for only $3 million. Yeah, and I think we can we can just be happy with that and just say <laughs> both teams are happy with the players that they got for what they paid them, and players are worth different things to different teams, and, and sometimes I think we forget that. I, I want to talk about the defense, though, because you mentioned they haven't been, been turning teams over as uh, at as high a rate, and... That was almost certainly going to be the case given the rate that they turned teams over last year. Those things tend to regress over time. But we haven't seen Kyle Fuller play at the level he played last year. Eddie Jackson has not been the same field-tilting guy. Khalil Mack, part of that is, you know, Akeem Hicks goes down. He's a linchpin for this defense. But but what has been different to your eyes? And and maybe did we underestimate the the difference in trying to get everyone on the same page on a new defense, not just the difference between like Fangio and Pagano as a quality, but a new, a new defense for everyone. Yeah. You know, I I think that factored in and a lot of players were pretty open about that in training camp, just trying to learn a a new language with Chuck Pagano's defense and it had its wrinkles. And, And I think too, there was such a, 
um, a surprise element probably last year. Um, you know, Eddie Jackson had some flashes in his rookie season, um, but mm-hmm. teams are going out of their way not to throw the ball anywhere near him this year. And, you know, because they saw what he <laughs> yeah. did last year. Um, and that's probably part of the reason that Chuck McGowan's maybe used Eddie in the box a little bit more too, just to try to get him near the ball so he can go make a play. Um, because the ball's just not going, you know, your ears not seeing those deep middle throws or or deep throws if he's got kind of the bracket coverage. Um, you know, the Khalil Mack thing's been really interesting because he's, I mean, the, he has had every type of blocking assignment known to man thrown at him this year. And you're right, the Akeem Hickson's been problematic because quarterbacks are able to step up into that pocket without fear mm-hmm. if Max coming around the edge. So that that's been um that's kind of limited him and and you know the whole the whole defense you you have the you know the and to kind of step back for a second and take a bit more of a you know global view of this there were two things you knew were not going to be sustainable. You mentioned the takeaways that was going to drop and then the the good health you know, last year's yep. team lost Bryce Callahan late in the season. That's pretty much, and, and then of course Eddie Jackson for the end, and that's it. Um, this year's group, you know, no Roquan Smith, no Dan Trevathan. You lose Akeem Hicks for a, you know eight game stretch. Um, you know, they missed Prince and Kamara last week, um, so they've had way more injury issues to deal with as well. Um, Kyle Fuller is an interesting case because he's probably dropped three or four interceptions this season. Um, and, and of course, Packer fans and Bears fans know about the famous one he dropped in week one last year. Yep. Um, I, I think he might be having, uh, I don't want to say as good of a season as last year, but, but pretty close to it. Um, he's such an interesting player because, and I think Aaron Rodgers is the perfect example of this. Certain quarterbacks throw at Kyle Fuller with no concern for what's going to happen. And a lot of that is the way he, he plays a lot of off coverage. He's not really a press man guy per se. And he'll kind of invite some of those underneath throws, those eight to ten yard outs, because he's calculating that he's going to pick the next one off or he's going to deflect the next one. Um, so he's gotten beat on a couple of touchdowns, the, the one to Geronimo Allison last year, week one, uh, that have been some of the more ridiculous throws we've seen in football. And they just have happened to be uh, against Kyle Fuller. So I, I think he's been fine, but the, 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 when you look at Fuller, you go to the overall sense that the defense just hasn't impressed the quarterback at a rate it did last year or in the first month of the season and hasn't been able to create opportunities for takeaways. And the other, another quick thing here, too, about it is uh, the, because the Bears just haven't been very good this year, they've lost mm-hmm. that ability to play with a lead in the fourth quarter very much. And, and yep. that, that does so much for you as a team um, to create those opportunities. All right, we're going to get back to Kevin in just a second. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Casper. Sleep is important, and the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And remember, if you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, back to Kevin. It, you really can't have a conversation with about this team uh, without talking about Mitch Trubisky. And uh, there have been a lot of questions about his play this year. He's starting to play better the last few weeks. And I just... 
I don't know where the team stands with him. I don't know where fans stand with him because I know everyone was very excited about him coming into the season. He hasn't met those expectations, certainly. Is this a situation where he needs to show something, you know, these last three games, and then all of a sudden it's six, seven games at the end of the year where the team can feel confident in him moving forward? Or or is this just going to be his team for at least one more year? Peter, if you talk to 10 you talk to a hundred Bears fans, they'll give you a hundred different opinions on Mr. Trubisky. <laughs> and even if you talk to you know yeah. different people inside Hallis Hall, you'll probably get some different things. What's interesting about this group and something us reporters are all trying to really figure out is when the offense was so bad the first couple months of the season, really just before this like this current three game stretch that they're on. Um, Mitch wasn't playing well. The offensive line was disaster. They had no rushing game whatsoever. And Allen Robinson was the only receiver worth a damn uh, in terms of, I mean, he, he was the best player on offense and there wasn't a second best. They had no mm-hmm. production from the tight ends. All of those things were happening. Now, my one of the things I said a lot during that stretch is, and, and you know this perfectly well from watching Aaron Rodgers, great quarterbacks lift everybody up around them and are able to make up for the fact that you might not be getting tight end production or your offensive line might be struggling. Um, and so, you know, I kind of tilted things a little bit towards the quarterback. If you talk to other people, they'll say, well, what did you expect Mr. Trubisky to do when there's no semblance of a run game? And Matt Nagy's play calling is kind of all over the place and they're not using his legs, Trubisky's legs like they should. And what do you expect from him when Allen Robinson's the only one that is getting open? So, it's a beauty he's in the eye of the beholder kind of thing um, with Mitch Trubisky still. I will say this to kind of answer the first part of your question. The Bears are still behind him, and, and, and they've made no bones about that, both publicly and privately. Um, and and my, if you ask me right now who's the starting quarterback for week one in 2020 for the Bears, I would say Mitch Trubisky. Um, now he's got three games left to – continue to solidify that and he's in a really good stretch right now there's finally some rhythm to this offense they haven't played a whole lot of good defenses um in that stretch this is going to be their toughest test just because of the magnitude of the game and playing on the road and knowing that rogers on the other side of the field um but uh, you know trubisky still there they still have confidence in him and i think kind of going back to all those issues i talked about they're going to say that there were a lot of reasons Mitch wasn't playing well, and now everything's kind of coming together. So, yeah, you, I think we are going to learn a lot about him, this offense, this head coach, versus in terms of how they perform on Sunday. And it's a litmus test game for the Packers, too. I mean, this is this is the biggest division game Matt LaFleur has coached. A lot of these young players have not been in games like this. You look at Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, some of those younger guys. They've never been in spots like this either, so... It's going to be really interesting. Let me just follow up as we as we wind up here. You said week one you think Mitch is going to be the quarterback. If you had to, if you had to bet, is he the quarterback week eight, week ten? Oh man! Um, all right, so let's because there are going to be options out there. Marcus Mariota is going to be a free agent. Andy Dalton is going to be a free agent. Jameis Winston is going to be a free agent. Cam Newton could be available. Like there could be options out there to at least come in and bring him a veteran backup who could compete for that starting role. Right. And I think that's what, first off, that's what they need to do is bring in somebody like that. Um, you know, the, the way that this season ends could dictate how much they spend and how talented that player is. You know, if he starts to really 
you know, if, if he goes backwards in these last three games, maybe they do make a play for a Cam Newton. Although I, I really don't think that they would do that, but maybe maybe it is an Andy Dalton. Um, you know, if he's doing really well and finishes on a in a flurry with a, and they feel really good about him, um, maybe it's somebody at a lower level. But the problem with Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel is the perfect backup if your starter is fine, right? If you're if you don't if your starter is Alex Smith, right? Because the thing yeah. about Chase Chase is is you know we saw it in Week Four against the Vikings as he stepped in and they won the game. And, you know, because he knows the offense, he's great in the quarterback room, all that stuff. But he is 32 years old. He's not somebody who you can, like, the, the whole idea of benching Mitch Trubisky for Chase Dion just didn't make any sense. Um, that was something that kind of came up early in the season. Now, if they had Marcus Mariota as a backup, that's a different conversation. I think it's what they have to mm-hmm. create for themselves next year. So they have that um, competition and training camp and just somebody that they can actually turn to. You know, 2014, Mark Trustman, in a desperation move, benched Jay Cutler for Jimmy Clausen, mm-hmm. and that, just, that didn't do anything for anybody because it was Jimmy Clausen. That's not going to be the future of your team. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, this is also, by the way, Peter, uh, my way of not answering your, your original question yeah. about weekend. <laughs> because the thing, I mean, that's the thing with Mr. Bisky is just like, I, I was really careful in everything I wrote and said about him prior to the season that I, we just didn't know. And I said, I've seen enough to know that he is physically capable of being the guy the Bears think he is. I just need to see it consistently. The one thing I never expected was I did not expect him to go backward, which is what he did. Because, and I know it sounds cliche, but his work ethic is off the charts. Like he has all of those behind the scenes intangibles that teams want in a quarterback. So I was convinced that he would, you know, at a, at a, at the worst, just be the same guy as last year. And you could obviously win with that guy. Um, so, so to see the struggles he had started in week one, um, was really eye-opening. Uh, and, and I think the Bears have to be careful as these, this season wraps up not to forget about the things that we saw in Week 1 or in Philadelphia or in Los Angeles mm-hmm. um, in some of those games. But they also have to be realistic. They don't have a first-round pick till 2021. The guys that we kind of rattled off you know, might be upgrades over Mitch Trubisky when he's in those funks, but they're not – you know. We still don't know exactly who, who, which of those guys gets you really excited. So the best thing that could happen to the Bears is for Mitch to figure it out. And he, he has the last couple of weeks. Now we just have to see if he could actually stack that and continue. I mean, the Bears are hoping and praying that he builds on what he did against Dallas, does it again against Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota. You know, they don't need to, need to make the playoffs to see if he can continue to play well as the defenses get better because they would love to kind of get him on one more year on that rookie contract. What a brutal stretch to finish to <laughs> Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota. I have I have said that I would love to see Marcus Mariota. I, Mariota in a Matt Nagy offense is is if if that doesn't fix Marcus, then he's unfixable. The dark horse candidate that I have even been hesitant to even bring up is if things really do fall apart in New England and Tom Brady wants to move on, that's it's just I don't think I think there's a non-zero chance that could happen. But that is neither here nor there. Kevin, this has been awesome. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time yet again. Let my listeners know where they can find uh, your work, Twitter, et cetera. 
before I do that, Peter, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it was around two years ago this time of year that we talked and you brought up Matt Nagy as a candidate that the Bears should consider for head coach. I, I still remember that. And I want you to know that. Wow. But I remember that you were the one, you brought that up <laughs> and, and, and you, we were going through some names and you said, I want to throw a name out there, Matt Nagy. So I need to, I need to give you that kudos from two years ago right now well i appreciate that uh i i was such a huge fan of of matt at the time and and still am by the way i still think he's a really impressive coach and and i'd like to see him with a quarterback who i think is good and unfortunately i just don't think he has that (laughs) um but yeah so everyone can check out uh my work at the athletic um the athletic chicago and uh for all the packer fans that listen we have a, a fun kind of guide to the bears packers game that will come out on friday morning um, and Matt Schneidman, our Packers writer, you can his his score prediction will be part of that that guide, along with all of our picks from our staff, including uh, Dan Pompey um, and, and kind of some fun trivia about the uh, Bears Packers series. Awesome, thanks, Kevin. All right, take care. All right, I want to thank Kevin again for joining the show. Always great to talk with him. If you haven't checked out that Haha Clinton Dix article, I highly recommend it, and all of Kevin's work, frankly. But he's also just one of the the nicest guys you will meet in in this business and and probably anywhere for being honest so give him a follow on twitter say hi be nice uh it is the holiday season after all and he, he, you know I, I won't say he's named after kevin McAllister from home alone but kevin McAllister did live in chicago the suburbs of chicago but it's still chicago so i'm just i'm not saying i'm just saying All right, we're going to be back tomorrow, our Friday live show for Central 5 Eastern time. As always, if you miss it, you can go back and watch it on Periscope. That's the beauty of it. And the best way to do that, to make sure you don't miss it, but to come back and find it if you have to, is follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnPackers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up, I got a great question that I'm excited to answer tomorrow. Anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.